up waters in a garment, who has established all the ends of the earth. What is his name and what is his son's name? Surely you know. Every word of God proves true. He is a shield to those who take refuge in him. Do not add to his words, lest he rebuke you and you be found a liar. Two things I ask of you, deny them not to me before I die. Remove far from me falsehood and lying. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with the food that is needful for me, lest I be full and deny you and say, who is the Lord? Or lest I be poor and steal and profane the name of my God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So what is the song of your life? Or what is the song that represents you? That song and the lyrics, they show your foundational thoughts. They show your inner narrative that makes sense of your life. Sometimes that can be a different song at a different time, a special time in our lives. Yet some of the most important songs that people choose to represent themselves are often played at their funerals. Currently, at the top of the co-op funeral chart list is Andre Bocelli's Time to Say Goodbye, a powerful farewell song, and I'm sure many of you are hearing it in your heads now. It's a beautiful, beautiful song. Shortly followed in spot number two by Frank Sinatra's My Way, released in 1969. A few nodding heads there. And if you've been to a funeral, you've probably heard one of these songs played in all likelihood. And the song My Way, the lyrics go in the first verse, and now the end is here, and so I face that final curtain. My friends, I'll make it clear. I'll state my case, of which I'm certain. I've lived a life that's full. I traveled each and every highway, and more, much more, and more, much more, I did it my way. And the ends. For what is man, what has he got? If, if not himself, then he has not. Not to say the things that he truly feels, and not the words of someone who kneels. Let the records show I took all the blows and did it my way. And today we're looking at Psalms and Proverbs, God's wisdom and song literature to us. And we see this sharp contrast here where we see Sinatra singing about his independence, his self-choice, a feeling that what one has themselves is the ultimate source of meaning and wisdom, that his ultimate narrative comes from himself. And that reason has spanned their life. And at the center of all things is actually himself. And though that song might be you know, 50 years old now, it holds true for our society and culture today. Society says that our praise should go to ourselves for what we have done and that we should try and be the best you that you can be that we shouldn't compromise on that, that the narrative of our lives should be my way above all. Yet, as we'll see in our coming week's readings in Immerse, 
in Proverbs and Psalms, in the wisdom and song that God has given us through his word, their narratives are different. The narrative and inner song that they have and the writers have, their innermost deep thoughts point towards God, point towards God's action and God's presence as the center point, the gravitational force, the very meaning of our lives being centered on God. So, if you have a Bible, let's turn to Psalm 103. I think we'll get the words up on the screen from the start there. If you don't, that's okay. So, we can look how the psalmist David, in this case, opens up with, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Nothing is held back in these opening lines in praise to God. Nothing at all. All his very being is praising God. And we see that continue as he lifts up his praise through these opening five verses. And then, as he goes into verses 6 to 14, we see how God is both righteous and just, but he is also merciful and gracious. He is abounding in steadfast love, removing our sin from us as far as the east is from the west. As a father shows compassion on his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. This is a person writing this who has clearly experienced and knows God's mercy. He's both the justice but also the mercy giver. And then we see this response to God's mercy in verses 15 to 19, where the psalmist David turns to how great God is. He looks to magnify who God is. He looks to focus on him more and more. And this greatness of God is correctly compared to the frailty and the weakness of humans. Our days are like grass. The wind passes over it and it is gone, and its place knows it no more. But the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him. And this culminates in a crescendo of praise and outpouring to God that at the end of the psalm, we see this, bless the Lord, repeated time and time again. Bless the Lord, bless the Lord, bless the Lord, bless the Lord, O my soul. This song of David is very much one that shows how his whole world is focusing on God and looking to magnify God. It doesn't focus on himself, but it focuses on God. And this is his inner song. This is his inner narrative, which he is praising out here. His whole being says, praise the Lord. But we also know about David, King David of Israel thousands of years ago, that he struggled to live a perfect life. He couldn't do it. He was flawed. He fell short time and time again. But he was a receiver of God's mercy. He turned full-heartedly back to God and recognized that he was a receiver of mercy. And that was the defining factor in his life.
the song of his life, his inner song pointed to God. So then we look at Proverbs this week in the Merse. And one of the chapters we'll be looking at is Proverbs 30. And we see here the weariness of the writer Agar as he considers the sum of his own wisdom and knowledge compared to that of God. Who has ascended to heaven and come down? Who has gathered the wind in his fists? Who has established all the needs of the earth? He is recognizing that God's wisdom is above all. His wisdom is nothing compared to that of the highest God. He says, surely I have not the understanding of a man. I have not learned the wisdom, nor have I the knowledge of the Holy One. He recognizes that compared to God, he has <clears throat> no wisdom relatively. God's wisdom is above all. No one can compare. And like in the Psalms, we are pulled in here by how great God is and how great his wisdom is compared to ourselves. And again, the narrative, the wisdom, the inner song of his wisdom comes from God. So the Psalms and the Proverbs show a God-centered passion and wisdom. And this is in sharp contrast to our world, which is crowded with people promoting their own way of life, promoting their own wisdom. Whether that's social media influencers who look together, gather tens of thousands and hundreds of thousands of followers, taking their snippets of advice, live this way, live a good life, be happy, or whether it's the latest self-help guru writing the latest book or doing the latest podcast. Do these five things and you're sure to be successful. Your job will go well for you. You'll make powerful friends. You'll get rich quick. Just follow my formula. And then we have the self-help people who say, look at yourselves, find your strength within you. Keep looking at yourselves, congratulate yourselves, pat yourself on the back, well done. You have made yourself the best you possible. And we might say that's fine when things are good and when things go well. And the Proverbs writer, he says, don't make me too rich in case I forget about you and say, who is God? And it's no surprise that so many people have forgotten about God. Even ourselves, we can easily forget about God. We live in one of the richest, most advanced points in humanity, in one of the richest countries. And despite that, obviously, people in this country still struggle for food and for shelter. But for so many of us, it's so easy to forget about God because we never go hungry. The lights are on when it's dark and cold and raining. It's only in the last 50 to 100 years that we could think about having central heating or lights on 24 hours a day. It's so easy to forget about God. And the Proverbs writer almost has this similar line to what, what, what comes in the Lord's Prayer. 
don't lead me into poverty, lest I be tempted to steal. Give us this day our daily bread, as Jesus prays. Lead us not into temptation. And we see this godly wisdom here. The godly wisdom which says, our hearts are fickle. Our hearts are fickle. We can so easily turn to worshiping the created things, whatever that might be. We can be so easily drawn in, whether we are rich or poor, into focusing on other things other than God that become the narrative of our lives. And the Proverbs writer in Jesus tells us to pray that we would receive our daily bread. Give me enough to get by so I don't become lukewarm or stale towards you, God, because I know how fickle my heart is. I know how easy it is to be distracted and pulled away from you. So the Proverbs writer, in the most foundational wisdom, comes from a God-centered, God-informed world. And it is so easy for us to descend into a lukewarm, distracted state where we can become neither hot nor cold. We can sing the words, bless the Lord, O my soul, on a Sunday. But when we come to think about it, do we mean it fully? Do we really say, praise the Lord, all that is within me? Does our life make sense of that? Does our thinking make sense of that? Does what we do day to day show and magnify and glorify God with all our being? Does our heart truly cry out, bless the Lord with all that I am? Is that the song of our life? Is that song of magnifying and seeking after God, the one that is over your life right now? Is that the narrative, the wisdom of your life? Or is it the my way, in my time, when I want, when it suits me? Or is it God's way, God's wisdom, God's perspective? What is the song of your life? What is the foundational truth and wisdom that you live by? In Revelations 3 verse 14, God is writing to the churches. Jesus is writing to the churches. To the angel of a church in Laodicea, write, These are the words of the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the ruler of God's creation. I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other. So, because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I am about to spit you out of my mouth. You say, I am rich. I have acquired wealth and do not need a thing. But you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me refined in fire. Buy from me gold refined in the fire so you can become rich and white clothes to wear so you can cover your shameful nakedness and salve to put on your eyes so you can see. Those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. So be earnest and repent. Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice 
and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. God is speaking to us through his word, to his church and to you now. The Psalms and Proverbs show us that we need to be wise, God-centered Christians with a passion for his name. But why does God detest lukewarmness? Why? Well, through our readings of Immerse, we've been reading Psalms, Proverbs, and Song of Songs. And Song of Songs is intertwined into these readings in the past weeks because it shows an image, a mirror of what God's love is like. Because in Song of Songs, we see this passionate, intense, romantic love between a man and a woman. And God is saying, my love is that intense. My love is that passionate. So we see in Song of Songs, chapter 8, verse 6, place me like a seal over your heart, like a seal on your arm. For love is as strong as death, its jealousy unyielding as the grave. It burns like blazing fire, like a mighty flame. Many waters cannot quench love. Rivers cannot sweep it away. If one were to give all the wealth of one's house for love, it would be utterly scorned. God's love is passionate and strong, everlasting to everlasting. Mercy, which is new every day, but it is jealous, like a blazing fire, like a mighty flame. It does not play a second fiddle to anyone or to anything or to any distraction. It does not accept lukewarm praise. God does not want our second best. He does not say, you can keep your little lies, you can keep your little sin, it's no big deal. A little sin that no one knows about, that's fine. A little rule breaking that does not hurt anyone, that's fine. Something else that you choose and prioritize above God, that's okay. You can just show your love to me when it suits you. You can just come to church when it suits you. You can just give me some time when it suits you. You can say, I'll do this or that in the future for God when time allows. God does not say this. God wants the mighty blazing fire of his love to be returned. Not that he needs it himself to make himself feel better. He is God. He is fully satisfied as the eternal God. But that, as we love him, and as that becomes the base of our life, and as our wisdom is transformed by our perspective of God, we then recognize that we are then receivers of God's mercy. We are receivers of God's mercy, changed forever by him. And that leads to us putting God in his rightful place, enthroned in our lives. And there is only one person who has done this completely and perfectly, and that person is Jesus. And in Philippians 2, verse 6, they write, Who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross, 
Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Jesus did not say, my way. I am God, I can do things my way. He brought himself low for God's purposes. He humbled himself. He suffered. He recognized he needed to carry out God's purposes. And he demonstrated God's wisdom through how he lived and spoke. He was passionate for God's name and his word. And maybe today, even as you hear about this passion and this mighty love and fierce love of God. You think, I don't thirst for God. I don't desire God with my whole being. I don't see the world with God's wisdom. What can I do? How can we change our inner song, our inner narrative to God's And the first step always is to make yourself right with God through Jesus. We lift up to him all the areas of our lives that we are holding back from him. We lift up the sin that we are not resolving. We lift up our intellect, our bodies, our emotions. We lift up the patterns of our lives which carry sin and say, Lord, I give it over to you. Have your way with it. And then we invite Jesus in. And Jesus is there. He is standing at the door and he is knocking and he is waiting for you to let him in. And he will come in by his Holy Spirit when we let him and when we invite him. And it's from this place that we can ask for a fresh passion for worship. We can ask him for wisdom to see the world how he sees it, to help us to understand. Help us to magnify you, Lord Jesus, through how we live. But there are other practical steps that we can take as well in our day-to-day lives, routines that we can put in place, things that we can do, whether that's having a regular time where we read the Bible and study it, ideally every day. The Bible is God's word to us. It contains his wisdom and his passion. We need to know it. We need to study it. We need to understand it. We can read and listen to Christian writers and to books and listen to podcasts that increase our depth and knowledge of God. We can sing loud worship songs and hymns as we drive to work, as we make our dinner, as we do our washing, whatever it might be. We can cover our life in praise and prayer. We can regularly attend church every Sunday that we're able to so that we can praise God, so we can give our all to him so that as we sing and praise him, we can encourage others as well. We can attend immersed groups and read the Bible together encouraging each other and teaching each other, explaining difficult bits to understand 
and sharing stories of God's faithfulness to us. But we can also have a story of God's work in our lives at the front of our mind each week so that we we can share and talk about what he is doing in our lives. We as a church can encourage each other in godly wisdom and help each other to not fall into worldly choices and to choose God's way and not the world's way. So, as we lean on God's understanding, as we look to his wisdom, as we sing the story of God's greatness and mercy over our lives, it becomes like an outpouring of our hearts collectively as a church, like a, like a whole choir, like a whole orchestra pouring out our love and praise to God. And what does the Lord of all creation, what does God do back? What does the one who holds all the power in the universe do as we praise and as we pour out our hearts to him? He sings over us. He sings over us loudly, exulting, coming into our midst as a mighty one who will save. He quiets us with his love. As we sing up to him, he sings out over us with this loud, passionate love song that Zephaniah writes about. And it is this same love that takes in the prodigal son and throws a party. It is this same love that calls Zacchaeus out of a tree down to meet Jesus. It is this same love that restores Peter after he turns away from Jesus. And it is this same love that led Jesus to die on a cross. It is this love that demands all of our praise and all of our being to praise him. It is this love which burns like a mighty fire. And it demands that we cry out to God, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. May that be the song and the story of our lives. Let's stand to pray. Lord Jesus, we come before you now, Lord, and we recognize that we have not desired after you how we should. We recognize, Lord, that we hold back from you. We recognize that we do not praise you with our whole being. We recognize that, Lord, if you looked at our whole life, if you looked at this past week, it would not show someone who is fully for you. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you are the merciful God, Lord, even here as we stand before you now feeling inadequate, feeling like those who would fail and fail again, Lord. You are there and you are coming into our lives, Lord, and you are saying, I will sustain you. I will hold you. I will show you my mercy. Even now, what has been is wiped away and it's cleaned away because you have brought it before me. Holy Spirit, come and fill us now. 
We pray, Lord, that you would transform our wisdom. You would make us wise Christians and followers of your name, Lord. You would help us to see the world as you see it. You would give us passions that line up with your passions. You would give us hearts full of praise, Lord, for your name. Lord, you would give us a story of your mercy and forgiveness that we can tell and sing all the day long because of how good you are. Make us a church who delights in worshiping and praising you. Help us know the pleasure and delight, the richness and power, the depth and the everlasting nature of your mighty love. Oh Lord, even as we turn to you now, you exalt and you praise and you, you delight in us, God. Help us to know your deep satisfaction and love for us. Lord, make us fully for you. In your name and in your goodness. Amen. And let's now declare our hope in Christ alone.
Lord Jesus, it's here in your power that we stand. It's here in your power, Lord, that we live. It's here in your power, Lord, that we turn to every day. It's here in the lives changed by the resurrection of Christ, Lord, that we can face tomorrow. Lord Jesus, help us to live lives that are fully formed and changed by the act of your cross, by the act of your resurrection. Help us to have wisdom and passion, Lord, which comes from you, that is centered on you. Help us to live this way, this week, this day, this hour for you, in your name. Amen. There is prayer over here. Please do come and be prayed for, wherever it may be. Go in peace to love and serve the Lord. In the name of Christ. Amen.